1: Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number three in this series called Drawing Near to God. And today I'm going to talk to you about loving God. I know that just seems like an incredibly simple title, but you know what? It's a, it's a, it's a powerful, powerful message that I think is going to benefit everybody. You might say, well, what's loving God got to do with drawing near to God? You know, I'll just tell you this, the people that you will be compelled to draw near to The people that you want to spend time with are the people that you feel safe with. Probably more than anything else, you want to feel safe with people. And if you don't, you are not going to really be compelled to to want to visit with them and hang out with them. Now, listen, let's just get rid of all the goofy legalistic ideas. I mean, I understand God is with us all the time. He never leaves us. He never fails us and never forsakes us. And so some people... Uh, who don't realize they're being legalistic. They are because they're they're connecting to God based on technicalities. They say, well, so you can't draw near to God because God never leaves you. You know, he's always with you. You're in him. He's in you. We know all of that. But uh, when the Bible talks about drawing near to God, it's not talking about geography. It's talking about relationships. matter of fact, really, when the Bible talks about the love of God, uh, in the Hebrew language, there's one of the words— that that presents this concept of being heart-to-heart with God. So in other words, there's nothing, since it's a heart thing, there's nothing between your feelings and your emotions between between you and God. And so drawing near is always about relationship. It's not about geography. It's not because God has left you. It's not because God has rejected you. You're not crawling back on your hands and knees. This is about uh, being in a relationship With somebody, first of all, that loves you more than anybody will ever love you. And ultimately, if you let your heart go there, you will love him more than uh, you've ever loved anybody else. And that really is the kind of relationship that God has called us to. You know, uh, I I, I see people, you know, I, I don't want to be totally critical of them. You know, there was a day, now that, this day is gone, but there, there was a day back a few decades back where religion had put such a need or such an emphasis on us loving God that there was virtually no mention of God loving us or the value and the importance of God loving us. And, you know, uh, being one of the people who really uh, was a pioneer in the modern-day grace movement... You know, I was one of the people that was emphasizing 40 years ago or 45 years ago the importance that we needed to stop focusing on how much we love God and focus on how much God loves us. Now, but the difference was, uh, it wasn't that I was saying that it didn't matter whether we did or didn't love God, that it wasn't important whether we were in love with God, uh, that the only thing that was important was that God loved us. And that's kind of what's being said now. And I really believe that the people are doing that absolutely mean well. And you know what? 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, that was very, very important to emphasize that, but as I shared in one of my scriptures about the, you know, about, the full, about the full counsel of God back a few months ago, which is free on impactministries.com, I talked about the fact that just because S- something has been abused, you can't throw it away. If it's in the Bible, you can't throw it out. So you've got to find out what the Bible really, really does teach about it. And you can't pick one side when there's more than one side to a truth. And there always is. There's always a paradox. i tell you this anytime you don't see the paradox in whatever truth you're trying to deal with, uh, if you don't see the paradox, you don't see the truth yet because all truth exists in a paradox. Truth is multidimensional. It's, uh, it's paradoxical. There, there are so many factors in, in grasping the truth and bringing it into your real life. That's why the Word of God is called the Logos of God. It's not the, it's not the uh, uh, didactic teaching of the Word of God, it's not the, uh, it's not the intellectual uh, uh, grasp of the Word of God. It's believing something into to your heart so that it becomes so very uh, conceptual, it, it so dominates every aspect of your life that you can you get understanding, you can see all the different sides of it at one time, but, but really it becomes something you can live, but you can probably never, never, never explain. So I don't want you to think that I'm just trying to be critical of people who overemphasize the love of God, but I am going to tell you this. Anytime you overemphasize anything in Scripture, if you're not careful, you will end up on a path that you had no intention uh, of going. And so if we get to the place to where, oh, God loves me, so, so nothing matters. And I, man, I've used this example so many times uh, of people just talking about, well, all I know is God loves me, but you know, that's still it didn't get them off drugs. It didn't get them out of sin. It didn't keep them from committing suicide. It didn't keep them from ending up in jail. It didn't keep them from destroying their marriages. It didn't keep them from doing horrible, horrible things to other people. God loving us has no effect in our lives. Until number one about to that love is experienced, you know there's a a, a proverb. This it, probably doesn't fit exactly, uh, but uh, this is this is one of these proverbs I, I had to really ponder on for years and had to use it to work through some of my issues about how I communicate it. Part twenty-seven five says open rebuke is better than secret love, or as uh, one translation says, better than love that's carefully concealed. You see, secret love is love that is never uh, fully expressed, therefore it is never fully experienced. So even though you may hold that love in your heart, the truth is it doesn't benefit anybody because it's just something you hold in your heart. Now, God's love for us is not something that he simply holds in his heart. It is something that he wants to bring into every single relationship that he has, so that the primary thing that is affecting our lives is going to be the experiential love of God. You know, the Apostle Paul says, we have, we have known and believed the love that God has for us. Well, that word know or known is a, an experiential knowledge. It is not an intellectual knowledge. And so the impact that the love of God has on our life is is uh, the way that it affects us, and the way that it compels us to come into a relationship with Him. Now you got to remember this, First John four: eighteen says that God is love. So when you get to the core of who God is, at the very core of who God is, what you will find is righteousness. Righteousness uh, is the expression of the absolute core values that God has. And then, uh, you begin to expand out from that core, and you get love and mercy and and all of these different wonderful, wonderful attributes. But without righteousness, you have no definition for God's love. You have no definition for God's mercy. You have no definition for forgiveness. And so, one of the things that has happened to the twenty first century Christian is that uh, we are creating our own definitions of love, of mercy, uh, of forgiveness. Uh, you know, all of these key words that describe attributes of God, we are defining these independent of the righteousness of God. And uh, you may want to check out my series. I think it's the last series that I did uh, on our website about faith, righteousness, the ultimate revelation of God. I'm telling you, you want to jump into that. I've gotten so many incredible Responses from ministers and people all over the world about how they have been affected by that. But remember this: so if God is love, then then He's the perfect model for love. We know that if we don't walk in love, the Bible says that we then really we don't know God. We're not experiencing God if we are if it's not manifesting by us walking in love. And the Apostle John indicated that that love has to be experienced it's not just having the information that God loves us now one of the things that we're facing now in this pop theology that is so off base and so scriptural we are being told by many people that that first of all you know there's a massive move on to reject the Old Testament and I'm telling you uh, people do not understand the Old Testament they've been taught wrong things about the Old Testament, And by rejecting the Old Testament, they'll never fully understand what we have in Jesus. But also, many people are rejecting Jesus' teaching, saying that we can't follow his teaching because he is a teacher of the law. Now, if Jesus is our Lord, and if uh, we build, if our foundation is sure because we follow his teaching, then I don't understand how anybody can uh, pretend to call Jesus Lord, but reject his teachings. You can't do it. Jesus, did he use the law? Yes, but every all of the morals and values of every book in the New Testament are based on the law, but it's based on the law as Jesus taught it, as Jesus modeled it, based on the law from God's motives and intentions, and his primary motive uh, of the law, which which people perverted, they didn't preach it, they didn't teach it, they didn't show it, was love, because the law was showing us how to treat each other if, in fact, we are walking in love. But the problem is this. If we reject Jesus' teachings, then the problem is, uh, where do we go to understand what love looks like? Well, I'll tell you where we go. We go to, to humanism, we go to socialism, we go to to every kind of ism that there is, everything that's taking the world on the perverted toilet right now is is that's being done in the church is because we are not using the Bible as our standards to define love, to define mercy, to define forgiveness, to define kindness, to define prayer, to define praise, to define worship, uh, to define what a witness is. I mean, we don't we don't use biblical definitions of hardly anything. Therefore, we are just making up definitions. And even though we're using the biblical words, uh, we're not using those words the way they were meant in the Bible. Now, we are created in the likeness and the image of God. Therefore, if God is love, and the Apostle John really goes to great lengths to point out what I'm about to say. See, God can only be God if he's motivated by love. If God is not motivated by love, then uh, then really, he's denied himself. He's denied who he is. And, and really, the, the foundations of, the, of all of creation would fall apart if God uh, didn't walk in love, because if he didn't walk in love, he would be rejecting his own righteousness. Well, if I'm creating the likeness in the image of God, then it stands a reason that I can't be normal If I'm not walking in love, if I'm not feeling love, if if I am not experiencing love. So God modeled love. Jesus modeled love. We are supposed to be like him. And really the number one proof that that we love is the fact, or that we are of God, is that particularly we love one another. We love the brethren. We love the people that are walking with God. Now there's a certain kind of love that we can have for our enemies. There's a certain kind of love that we can have with the wicked, but you know with the wicked, I can say that I value a wicked person because Jesus had enough value for them, that he died for them, that he paid for their sins, their sins are paid for. and if they want to come and they want to draw near to him, if they want to experience that forgiveness, if they want to become a new creation in Christ Jesus, they can. And so if Jesus loved them enough, to go ahead and do that, I can choose to love them as well. But that's not the kind of love that we have for one another. The kind of love that we have for one another and the kind of love that we have for God is actually always reciprocal, is always relational, and it has a goal to it. It has a it has a, an intention. It has an end destination. And so, you know, we're talking about drawing near to God, and, and we we've already talked about the fact that the word uh, everywhere in the in, in the Book of Leviticus, where it talks about an offering, it's the Hebrew word korban, and that word means to be close or to be related. And so, so it's a draw near offering. It makes you it makes you come close from your heart, and and be related to the person that you're giving the offering to or giving the sacrifice to. Now, there's another word that you, uh, that you run across in the Hebrew that's, that's related to uh, the sacrifices and the feast, and it's the word natan. Now, the word natan uh, means to give. Now, the interesting thing about the word natan is what's called a palindrome. Now, a palindrome in the Hebrew is a word that is spelled the same forward as it is backwards. Now when a word is spelt the same forward uh, as it is backwards, then uh, you realize that you are dealing with a continuum. And as a continuum, you know, uh, being a health professional, having my own clinic for years, uh, discovering a continuum uh, made me really, really good at at dealing with health issues and helping people face health issues. You know, one of the, one of the common things we used to run into with health health issues is, you know, every organ in the body is is related to and affected by a particular emotion. So, and every organ in the body is related to a particular food or a particular taste. Uh, so, 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 you if for example you gave yourself to certain emotions. In too much of an abundance, it could actually have a derogatory effect on how its related organ functions. And, and so over a while, by being uh, consumed with particular kinds of emotions and, and not bringing them into the line, it affects the organ function. And then before long, that organ function leads to disease. So that's just one direction that a path could go to lead to disease. Now here's, But but here's where the continuum comes in. With a continuum, uh, anything can start anywhere and can move in any direction. There would be people come in. I remember one time there was a, 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 a lady that came in, had severe heart problems and uh, had severe palpitations, had all kinds of problems with her heart and turned out all you know the women in her in her family had heart problems so you you felt like it was a genetic thing right off the bat that would have been your first assumption well so what i discovered was with her sister her sister had the same type of heart issue but what was interesting with her sister it was a genetic problem and the genetic problem led her to be a compulsive uh, uh, worry if you will and get things stuck in her head become a little obsessive about things overthink them worry about them too much but what was interesting with the other sister the problem didn't start as a genetic problem the problem started because in her environment everybody worried about things all the time and she worried about things so it was really her emotions that led to the dysfunction of her organ and it would uh, and it was really with her sister uh, it was it was the dysfunction physical dysfunction of her organ that led to the incessant worrying. So with a continuum, it's it it's really a wonderful thing to realize you can find out the real cause of sickness and you can find out the real cause of emotional stresses and all and all this kind of stuff. Well the word natan represents a continuum. Uh so uh and, and that would be that giving and receiving are in the same continuum. Now there are so many places that we could go to talk to about about giving and receiving, and uh, so I'm going to try to put this in a nutshell because I don't want to take too long on this. I want to give you something that you can immediately start to start to ponder, pray about, and and you know turn some places in your life around. Well, so the word korban means close. It means related. It means to draw near. We said that's the word for offering. So let's say that you are giving natan. You are giving a korban. Uh, draw near to to God. So what happens when you give that offering to God? What happens is it doesn't cause God to draw near to you because God never leaves you. He never fails you. He never forsakes you. God never abandons us. Even in the Old Testament, actually that scripture came out of the Old Testament. And so when when people brought offerings. Uh, they weren't bringing offerings to get God to come back to them and get close to them. They were bringing those offerings because something had happened in their own heart that had caused them to distance themselves from God. God had promised he'd be there. God had promised he'd never leave them. He had never forsake them. He had never failed them. And so if I wasn't sensing God, if I wasn't sensing his presence, then this means I am the one that has changed positions. God's not the one that changed positions. God's not the one who is who has drawn away from me. I have, even if I don't know how or when, I can know for sure I am the one that has drawn away from him. So when I take that offering to him, now I am giving this gift. So so I am involved in the Natan, and that that's this uh, giving suddenly now, Puts me in this continuum of giving and receiving because if there's a if there's a continuum, then this means my willingness and my capacity to give is actually what creates my willingness and my capacity to receive. You know, uh, people talk about how much they hated the the prosperity message, and I hated the way the prosperity message was preached. But that doesn't mean that prosperity is not in the Bible. It doesn't mean that God doesn't show us how to prosper. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that God can cause us to prosper, and there won't be any trouble added to it. See, the problem was not the prosperity message. The problem was preaching a one-sided concept of the prosperity message and not really even understanding it. And it turned people to be selfish, greedy, uh, self-serving, and really it it was a corruption to the body of Christ. Well, that's the same thing that happens with this message about God's love, where it's like, it don't matter if you love God. Uh, what's, what matters is that God loves you. Well, that matters more. I mean, God loving you matters m- more than you loving Him. But the real truth is, if that doesn't come to completion in you, if it doesn't grow to a maturity that causes you to love Him back, then that's going to have the same kind of effect on you that the prosperity message has, where all you're trying to do is get God to love you. You're not growing in a relationship. You're not developing. You're not really drawing near to him. You're just wanting to use his resources. Therefore, you are not growing as a person. You're not developing yourself as a person. So so let's say, let's say then that you go to God and you draw near because you are bringing an offering and you are coming with the intention that, that you, you're not trying to appease God because you can't appease God. That's dead works. The the idea that you could give anything to God that would make him obligated to to a certain response towards you is dead works. And one of the very first things we have to do as New Covenant believers is we have to repent from dead works. I'm not going to do anything ever to try to compel God to respond to me. I'm going to have faith, and faith is where I respond to God because I believe what what he has said. So I'm going, I'm taking my offering uh, to God because I am going there with this intention to draw near to him. So let's say that the issue is I really, you know, intellectually, I know that God loves me. I read the scripture. I know that God loves me. The real truth is for some reason, evidently his love is not having a real impact on my life. It's not moving me to love other people. It's not moving me to be kinder. And more patient, more long suffering, more understanding. Uh, You know, you can just read through uh, 1 Corinthians 13 and get all of these uh, characteristic descriptions of the love of God and how you or I would be treating other people if we were experiencing the love of God. Because remember, the Apostle John said that if I'm not loving other people, then I am not experiencing the love of God. And so, so I know that. I know that I want to draw near to God and I'm gonna I'm gonna come to God and I'm gonna to come to God with maybe it's a maybe it's a sacrifice of praise, maybe it's a sacrifice or an offering of a you know of a contrived heart, maybe it's me going and 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 seeking Him and seeking this connection with. I mean, there can be a lot of healthy positive things, but the point is this as I go and begin to fully give myself to God, um, because I value him it's like, God, I'm not experiencing your love. I'm not experiencing this. I'm not seeing the fruit of love in my life, but I'm giving myself to you. I want to be, I want to be a vessel of love. And so as I'm giving myself to God, then the Natan, which is the gift that I give, which is me, then that puts me in a situation in my heart where I now have the capacity to receive from God. So now that I'm giving myself to God, something happens in my heart, according to the scripture, where God and what he's been trying to give me all the time, I can now receive it. I can now experience it. So now I find myself falling in love with God. Listen, what good does it do to be married to the most... Handsome or the most man or the most beautiful woman. What good does it do to be married to the perfect person when, in fact, you don't love them, you don't value them, they are not precious to you, you don't hold them in high regard, you don't desire to be intimate and close with them, you don't you don't share your heart with them. Well, it's of no benefit whatsoever. Matter of fact, it's kind of a misery. Well, that's the way a lot of people are with God. We have this legal rela- relationship with God. You know, it's like the marriage certificate. Got a marriage certificate hanging on the wall that says we're married, so we're married. But there's really not any real passion or excitement or joy or all of that, you know, that should be there. So many Christians, they God, they, they don't know how they got there. Well, they got there because they got more absorbed only receiving to God, but never giving themselves fully to God. And uh, I'll tell you, that's a choice that you make. You don't do it because you feel like it. You don't do it because you got the, the emotional surge to do it. You just choose. I am giving myself to you. And I'll tell you, you will enter into that. And the, the gift you give him is you, the gift you be a, you're able to receive back from him is him. You give him as much love and value as you can. The gift that you can receive back from him is the love and value that he has for you. Listen. I want you to become a world changer with us. I want you to help us take this message to the ends of the earth. We're raising up one billion disciples. Go to impactministries.com and right there on our page, click on the uh, the world changer link and consider becoming a world changer who financially helps us. Listen, we are going to raise up one billion disciples. We have been doing this. We're starting Bible schools all over the world. And I want to give you a free uh, download series about drawing near and and particularly drawing near to God, but also drawing near to relationships, to people around you. And then plus you got this this whole video series, help us change the way the world sees God. Help us bring people into a relationship where they fall madly in love with God, madly in love with people. And we go out here and we change the way the world sees God. Be sure and share this with some people that are hurting, people that are feeling like God is distant to them. They don't need to be begging God to come to them. They don't need to be trying to get God to come and do what He's already done. Uh God is already made the, the investment in you because He values you and you're so precious to Him. He is already drawn to you. He is already doing everything He can to stay totally connected to you. He has not gone anywhere. If you are feeling a distance between you and God, it is always in your heart. And you don't have to grovel. You don't have to beg. You just turn around and draw near to God. You give him the gift of your heart. You give him the gift of your life. And I got news for you. Suddenly you're going to be able to receive something you probably have never felt in your whole life. Share this with a friend and I'll talk to you next week.
0: Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.